0: Hello, and welcome to the Order of Initiative. This is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast where me and my friends talk about DMing and everything you could want to know about running your game. I'm Charles, and with me today I have Connor. Hello. And Nathan. Hello, hello. Today, we're talking about aboliths. But before we get into it, we're going to roll initiative to see who leads the conversation.
1: That's a Damn six. Damn, I rolled on the floor again. I have rolled a three. Do I have a dex modifier? We
0: we do not. We all have flat mods.
1: Guess who crit?
0: Wow. Was it a crit fail?
1: If you wish. I do. Don't worry. Not- I don't have... Uh, I, I, I won't go for long for my introduction. I know that's a uh, you know, a big surprise. Uh, but uh aboleths uh, what are they well <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh as far as you know for the sake of the the discussion let's uh, I, you know let's just say that my understanding is they're big dumb fish uh, prove me wrong like what, what 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 is it about an aboleth that you know you want to what makes them interesting what what puts what do you put them in your setting
2: well they're the opposite of dumb <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty, first of all <laughs> yeah for, first of all they are big fish but they're not dumb they in fact have all of the memories of every single one of their predecessors and everything they've ever beaten yeah they're uh super
0: that is an interesting little tidbit about them that they have these perfect memories and they, they can, the monster may kind of suggest that they're very spiteful because of it you if you've wronged one it's not going to forget that shit for a thousand years. It will never forget.
1: Aleph- Ablets never forget.
2: Ablets yeah. never forget.
0: Lore-wise, they're very interesting to me. The Monster Manual talks about how they predate the gods, mm-hmm. which, admittedly, I'm actually not super familiar with your standard D&D pantheon mythos um, legends, whatever. Um, I, I always make my own. But... Predating the gods is kind of impressive in its own right. (laughs) What what the hell are you doing kicking around before the gods even showed up?
2: Apparently enslaving every sentient race before them, and then the gods came as, like, liberators or something.
0: (laughs) Those dumb gods
1: liberating sentient races.
2: Why is it that
0: everything that has, like, immense psychic powers in D&D has slaves? Why do
2: they always be doing this? Because um, they can mess with your mind, and obviously the first thing you do when you can mess with somebody's brain is say, no, you work for me now.
1: Apparently. So. I should get psychic powers. The, the
0: reason why Connor is on this specific episode anyway is because he heard that we were going to talk about Abelis eventually, and specifically requested being on, so I want to pick uh, your brain, Connor. Oh, Nathan?
1: I, I should correct... Uh, we we heard we were talking about abalas and I specifically requested Connor beyond.
2: Abalas are my it's... absolute favorite. They are, the, they are just the, uh, the monster that has piqued my interest from D D specifically. I mean, you know, obviously like dragons are cool and like goblins and orcs, all those generic fantasy creatures are fun and everything. But the Aboleth is like to me. Uh, the iconic D and D monster and that might have something to do with the fact that it's like the first picture in the monster manual <laughs> i was gonna
0: mention that it's like the second entry in the entire book you've probably seen it if you've cracked open a monster manual
2: yeah exactly and um i started in 3.5 and it is the first entry in in that book um wow. it's uh it's monster manual entry and that has just this terrifying picture of a bizarre fish with the three eyes and everything and i uh <laughs> um not to be an addition elitist or anything but the three five uh monster manual just has this art that blows the fifth edition one out of the water uh i actually agree pun intended um and it's just i i can't get behind the fifth edition one as much not to no, say no
0: i mean i i the uh, the fifth edition one is what i'm more used to but honestly i think that the third 3.5 is a little creepier it, there's just something about it that's a little more uncanny the three uh, the fifth edition one kind of looks like it could be a real creature but 3.5 something about it just looks wrong like it shouldn't be here
2: i think that's what captures it as a uh what's the word aberration um, yeah you know those outsider cosmic horror beings mm-hmm. which uh I don't know, it just, like, whenever I think of Cthulhu monsters in D&D, you know, there's obviously Mind Flayers and Beholders, but um, the Aboleth is the one that grabs me because of, like, just the perfect conflux of older than the gods with perfect memories, that yeah. horrifying art, and knowing the dread of having to go through the rules for underwater combat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I suspect that there is some inspiration taken from the Titans, from Greek mythology. Um, if you're not familiar, the Titans were basically another pantheon of gods that predated the ones you're probably familiar with. They they predated Zeus and Poseidon. Um, and there seems to be some similarities between that general idea and the aboliths, being these immensely powerful creatures that were around before the gods that everyone knows. There doesn't seem to be too much connection outside of that, because... In the Greek pantheon, the Titans and Zeus were actually, like, I mean, literally, des- Zeus is descended from the Titans. Yeah. And I i don't think the Aboliths birthed the go- the gods in the d setting. But I do think there might be, like, there's a lot of room there for you to flesh out that connection. Oh, there's, yeah. like, you know, that that one sentence of, and then the gods showed up and smashed their empire, and the Abolids didn't like that. I feel like there's more they're not telling us. Maybe on purpose. It just seems like a good place for you, the DM, to flesh out that relationship and why the gods showed up to fuck with Aboleths.
1: Or don't. Because, uh, like, I think especially with these sort of ancient uh, eldritch horrors, these unknowable beasts, half of the the um, mystique of them is the <laughs> mystique. Or It's like, God, you, you sort of read in books and the Aboleths uh, were around before the gods, and sort of, and it just sort of it tickles your imagination, right? You know, all these ideas and thoughts of what, what, what could that have been like? What, what was that encounter? Sort of, I think, brings a lot of magic to it versus knowing exactly how it happened.
2: Yeah, the actual facts and history being lost to time. All of the best monster entries in uh, Monster Manual are, I think, are evocative more than they are fully descriptive.
0: That's fair. It gets, the, it gets the mind going.
1: But there is room to add stuff if you want to. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Even though it does, like, pique my curiosity, I actually ran it like what you're saying, Nathan. Because I ran an Aboleth uh, not too long ago in my campaign. And I did give the party a little bit of information um, of the history of Abolith, As I also wanted to hint at, like, its possible weaknesses. But all they really got was this story slash legend about one taking over a city. And even more general history about it, they found out that they were banished by gods, maybe? There might have been a war? Or maybe they fled? Like, it was intentionally vague, and there were conflicting theories, because I do like the idea that it's so long ago, who is even around that would it have known, and, like, what surviving documents would there even be? It's probably hearsay at best.
2: That's 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 some good stuff. The the only people that know anymore are the gods and the descendants of the Aboleths who lived... <laughs>
0: Yeah. If you do happen to encounter a particularly talkative Aboleth, they might tell you. Because if they were around, they would certainly remember.
2: I feel like encountering a particularly talkative Aboleth is a great way to become scum. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Which, wait, are, are scum in 5th edition? I don't think so.
0: I don't know what that is, so I'm going to say no.
2: Oh, um...
0: Because w- I know everything about 5th edition, obviously.
2: If the, uh... In the 3 5 uh, monster manual, there's a second entry way back in the S's, uh, not at all close to the Aboleth entry, Uh, that's just scum, uh, spelled S K U M. And uh, if an Aboleth uh, enslaves a creature for, like, a long time, or if it does some evil, vile ritual, or, you know, whatever way the DM thinks is appropriate. Their slaves become scum, which are amphibious humanoids, kind of like Sahuagin or Kuatoa. Um, oh. I honestly don't think there's anything particularly special about them in their entries or anything. They just, you know, it's their Aboleth slaves. Interesting.
1: Well, 5th edition kind of does that. It doesn't make a new creature type, but, uh, you know, throughout its stack, stat block, which we'll touch on later, it has a lot of features that turn you into an amphibious humanoid. Uh, they're all temporary, though. They're not permanent like it. it seems to be the case with Scum.
0: It does it does have a side effect to its tentacle attack that can turn your skin translucent and slimy, and you can really only survive underwater.
2: Which um, uh, has been a thing for as long as Aboleths have been in the game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: Which so that could be like them trying to, to adapt it a little bit. Yeah. I kind of... I mean, I, I'm only just now hearing of Scum, so maybe I don't have the more nostalgic attachment to it i kind of lean a bit more towards their thralls as it were not being so obvious because then you can use them to infiltrate populations or even the party or even have someone in the party be it but if someone in the party is, like, slimy and has translucent <laughs> skin, it's not so subtle. You can't really have that that reveal later on. It's going to be pretty obvious. Hey
1: man, I mean, I, I don't question it. What they do on their free time is their own business.
2: Hey, I've had some PCs with pretty weird character descriptors. <laughs> right now, I have a half drow in my party. That's,
0: yeah. Ouch. I mean, I, the, on the other side, I'm getting some fun ideas for doing a, like, shadows over Innsmouth type location. Mm-hmm. where an entire village is infected by a thrall or by a Aboleth. And maybe it's not so obvious, but in general, the population just kind of has a grimy look to them. They all seem a little damp permanently and they are all under the influence of a Aboleth that could be fun to work
1: with. I kind of did something like that with the game I ran for YouTube a few years back. I don't think I made them uh, physically weird, but I like, I'll, I like this. there's this whole town that you were in investigating that, um, uh, if you like everyone you talked to was just off somehow yeah uh, so i think i think there's, there's a, a good way to sort of find that balance like maybe recent um acquisitions recent thralls by the ableth are are uh generally fit in more but the longer that they're under its in its thrall then the the more uh vile and, and weird and icky they become and it's sort of Works in its favor, like, you know, as as it's sort of beginning to uh, p- extend its influence over a place, it's subtle and it's insidious and it's hard to tell. But by the time you realize something's really wrong here,
2: it's t- it's far too late. Yeah.
0: You could even have the party start slowly changing if they're in this, this area long enough.
2: Yeah, it'd be a really long-form campaign. I uh, yeah. have a couple modules that spring to mind that would be good to rip ideas from for uh for that but uh i'll tell you about those later
0: i uh i I think the thrall aspect is what is interesting to me about the ableth there's a lot of creatures in DD that can make thralls like vampires and mind flayers have other versions of their own thralls but when running an like like the one i ran recently what i really wanted to build up was this idea of its own colony built around it which is, in some aspects, a bigger threat than the physical Aboleth itself. So, specifically, the um, the, the vast majority of its thralls were members of a village... Uh, sorry, members of one of the party members' village. Like, all of his friends and family were thralls. Which was really fun and interesting because there's another layer to initiating combat, which is he's going to have to start taking down his family and friends, and is that worth hopefully getting to the Aboleth and freeing the rest? Or, like, it, it just was a whole other layer of threat, knowing that the the human shields in your way are people you know. Oh, yeah. And they're under something's influence, but fuck.
2: <laughs> you always gotta make sure you have that, those knives to twist in your players' backs to uh, mm-hmm. motivate them and give them challenges. Um, making... Making a direct threat to one of their backstories basically is, uh, you know, okay. always super useful. And an avaleth mind controlling their entire home—that sounds pretty good to me.
0: Yeah, and you could—I mean, you you could have it be random villagers, but I feel like if you have a more murder hobo inclined party, they really might not care about mowing through random villagers that they don't know.
1: Along sort of the similar lines, it is also important to note that the Diabolus probing telepathy lets it learn of the creature, any creature's greatest desire that it communicates telepathically with. Mm. Oh, so that's right. So you, you can have, like, it has a lot of other ways and it, like a really good tool specifically for interacting with specific character backstories. Like, oh, you want this? Well, in my great reach and my great knowledge, I know how you can get this.
0: Or I can, yeah, I can give you this if you do this for me or help me.
2: And, and then there's the eternal question of, is it lying?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: I I do like the idea of them being extremely manipulative if they want to be. They have an intelligence of 18, so they're very smart creatures. And if they know something's deepest desires, it's absolutely within their means to twist that to their advantage and straight up lie about helping.
1: 18 charisma too. Yeah. So uh, they've, they've got the means to do that as well. And how do you make an insight check against an Abolith?
0: You right? <laughs> can I read its face? You can read Good its luck. three eyes. <laughs> One squinted, I think. What does that mean? Uh,
1: does it mean it's happy? Well, or if it's the bottom most eye. It stress? Means...
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Monster Manual talks about how, you know, getting fucked over by the gods so long ago has made them kind of all spiteful and conniving. And they might lay out plans that don't have an end game for another couple millennia. So you could be one very small piece, like, in a puzzle to a much bigger game the Abolith is playing. Maybe it's just using the party to kill one specific member of a government because he knows that'll weaken the government in, like, 20 years' time and lead to its collapse. And, like, it could have huge, far-reaching plans you can't really comprehend. And I I think that's just such a fun element to the abolith, knowing that its mind, for the most part, vastly outpaces your own.
1: And, like, another thing to consider is because its planes are so far-reaching and so grand and you're just such a small part, it probably might not even care too much about losing. Uh, Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, you might have beaten me in this juncture. That's just a minor delay. We'll catch up later. Or, hell, even better, it might just be... Ah, uh, darn, that plan failed, but as a direct result, I won in some other uh, area that you hadn't considered.
2: I think i would yeah, maybe... towards doing that one, because uh, the first one to me smacks of, I'll get you next time, gadgets."
0: <laughs> 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 well, yeah, maybe, maybe its bigger plan is, it always planned to lose against the party, and a way to make them stronger and more experienced, so then whatever BBG you are putting the party up against, it wanted that villain taken care of it's all it's part of
2: its plan i kind of love that i'm i might i might rip that
1: <laughs> I, I think it's fun and then your next campaign the the Aboleths of E V G, because the previous one is now out of the way <laughs>
2: <laughs> no that's seven campaigns down the road you gotta you gotta realize long reaching plans maybe. That's, yeah. well you
1: know it's you 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 do a big time skip is all oh okay the... that works too
0: the IRL uh, players at your table will not see this come to fruition for another twenty years. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> it was
1: all it was me all along. It, it was, was me, Mary. Barry. It was me. <laughs> 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 that Aboleth you fought last state, uh, session. It was me, Barry. I was that DM. Wait, um, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> close enough.
0: Um, something that like because I, I would pick Nathan's brain a lot during this Aboleth arc I was running. And a really, really fun sort of flavor that Nathan honed me in on was this idea of when you're entering the Abolis lair or region that's under its control, there's just hundreds of these sort of, like, drones around, right? So everyone under its control just kind of hovering around, not necessarily doing anything, and they're not necessarily hostile until the party is. And the, the th- I think the phrase that Nathan got in my head was, like, entering the hive, So you could potentially enter a beehive and not piss anything off if you're very slow and very careful. And more importantly, don't do anything to piss off or damage the hive. But as soon as you do, you're probably going to get a thousand drones swarming on you and tearing you apart.
1: My my primary inspiration was the Borg for anyone who's seen Star Trek. Like the first episode that they encounter it. They beam over to the, uh, you know, the the, the OA team beams over to this Borg cube, this alien ship they know nothing about, and they're just walking through. And there's all these these weird cyborg people that are just wandering around doing their business without a care in the world that these these random humans have shown up on their ship. They they have their work to do. They're going to do it, and they don't they don't care. But as soon as as the Enterprise crew starts fucking with shit. Just all all of these these uh, Borg drones that they had interacted with sort of turn around, and it's time to assimilate. Hmm.
0: I see. I think I I think that I find that more stressful than if they were all hostile from the start, right? Because then you you beam in, and everyone starts blasting immediately. Or in D and D, you walk in and there's immediately a fight. But oh, yeah, kick the door if down. they're if they're technically like peaceful, that's you just build tension the whole time. You never know what's going to set them off or if the abolith will lose patience and just turn them on you. Yeah. It, it's like you can build tension for a long time. If they're just peaceful,
1: if they're immediately hostile, it's an entirely different situation. It's a siege. Mm-hmm. You have, you've got this fortress in front of you that you need to get into somehow. And there's an army of quote unquote soldiers you have to get through. But this other way, it's sort of like we can go get to our goal, but mm-hmm. the deeper, the closer we get to it, the more danger we're in.
0: Yeah. The, more fucked we are by entering deeper and deeper into this lair interesting but we can they're letting us is this good i don't know
1: and it's just the like sort of the way that like like they're ignored yes do do they even know we're here is just eerie
0: are we so much of a non-threat that it's not even worth responding to you can kind of like fuck with their confidence a little bit as well
2: i do like the sound of that but uh I, I have to say that this is the first time I've thought about Aboleths in that context, because to me, they're, uh, they're singular. Uh, and, uh, like, an Aboleth uh, threat, or a plot, in my mind, would, probably wouldn't involve many long-standing minions. Uh, they've just, they're singular, and they're so spiteful of everything that's come after them that they dispose of minions as soon as they're done with them. Um, mm. that being said, you know, I, obviously this idea of the, uh, tense suspense building, uh, drone, uh, hive infest, uh, invasion sounds really cool. And it makes me, you know, starts getting the gears turning, but, uh, it's no, you're, I mean, your idea is
0: good too. There's lots of ways to run. I mean, any enemy, but I, I kind of like the idea of an abolith that goes through minions all the time like it, 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 it's, it's it got has,
1: a good enough supply that it's just like well i don't need this many so yeah. uh suicide mission for you
2: yeah exactly or, like, like they're or, they're capriciously angry about um about having been spurned by the the gods basically and yeah now they just want to exact ve- petty vengeance almost um while working on their master schemes
0: if i was gonna go down that route i think i would there's a small thing I would, I might tweak because they they have that ability to get memories from their thralls, right? Yeah. I kind of like the idea of them. Maybe if if they were to get these memories, or the only way they can is to kind of suck their minions dry like a juice box. Oh yeah, like so, the uh,
2: like the queen bug in uh, Starship Troopers.
0: Yeah, I saw that last year. I've only seen it once, but I think I remember what you're talking about.
2: She uh, sticks but- her. Uh- proboscis uh, in the oh, guy's yeah. brain and literally sucks it out
0: yeah i kind of like to think of something similar where like if it wants to acquire knowledge it has to like physically drain the bodies yeah. or, or at least do some process that ends up killing them and it's just going through person after person to try to find the knowledge it needs Agreed. that could be fun that
1: we do kind of have something like that when it's legendary actions if you look we at do. the psychic drain it does just that if it's got a creature charmed it can just boom 3d6 psychic damage Mm-hmm. and it gains hit points, but we can... We, I mean, that's an easy flavor of Gates' gains memories, yeah. too.
0: That was part of why I like the idea of it having hundreds of, of drones around it, because if combat was going to break out against it, it just had a bunch of snacks nearby that it could get
2: some health from. Perfect. I love that plan. Do you, uh... Do you think... Well, it, shifting it a little bit, what do you think of the inclusion of this as, like, it's basically psionics in 5th edition, um... <laughs> And uh, Psionic's always had a reputation in my uh, in my original group of being unfun, but I think it's a well incorporated on the Aboleth as far as fifth edition goes. I know
0: it was like more infamous in 3.5 for being broken and insane. I think I I think it works just fine here though, because it's Psionic stuff, for the most part, is you like you can resist it. Like it's in Slave feature, there's a wisdom save there um for its cloud that changes you there's a con save so there's a lot of things you can do to actually build up resistance to it and i mean it, it i mean it has legendary actions or sorry lair actions um it can cast phantasmal force so there's all like a basic uh, basis in the mechanics of 5e for these things to work so i don't see i, was gonna you know, say, I don't yeah, have any
2: problem with it i was gonna say yeah basically it looks to me like it's the uh the normal system it just you know will do psychic damage for example
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, uh, one of the issues with 3.5 and why it had this reputation is because it was an entirely different system. You didn't have spells per day, you had power points, and spell, different powers you cost would cost a certain amount of power points, and the entire system worked differently. Things that would resist spells wouldn't resist powers, and vice versa. Uh, and, and how 5e does is just, yeah, it's just another form of magic. It's, it's, it's ingrained in the existing system, and I think as a direct result, it, it integrates a lot better. Because mm-hmm. it's no different than anything else. It just has the word psychic on it. <laughs>
2: Beautiful.
0: There, I think there's an interesting element that we've kind of been dancing around um, to the Aboleth, which is like the structure of their lair in general, because Aboleths live underwater. So just getting to them is a hindrance in of itself. Because how your typical party cannot survive a battle underwater for very long, and they're probably, you know, an Anabalith is probably not 20 feet from the shore hanging out. They're probably at the very bottom of a lake or even an ocean or some other weirdness. My
2: favorite example was, uh, I don't know if this is in the 5th edition one, but my favorite example is that they are the lords of the uh, elemental plane of water, and they reside in the deepest bowels of there. Yeah, And uh, getting to uh, such a place... You uh, gotta wonder about, like, is the pressure of the water crushing the players, breathing (laughs) underwater, moving underwater, all of these rules that they need to find a a way to get around is, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges to fighting these things.
0: Yeah, and obviously as a DM, I think you need to facilitate their ability to tackle that problem in the first place, like... How you know some some access to water breathing potions or spells that will allow them to do it? Um, what I did is, this was kind of me showing my DM hand, but I think it worked. the The party knew of a an oracle type character who had actually died quite a while ago, but had left the party a note, basically outlining some of their future, and included a little note that said, "And I think you'll need these," and gave them water breathing potions. And they didn't even encounter the Aboleth for, like, another four or five sessions. But they're like, hey, we got water-breathing potions ages ago. Did that dude know, like, know we would be doing this? <laughs> Which is me just using my, my DM uh, DF, god powers. Uh, yeah. But it kind of works for an Oracle character to, oh, no, to have seen this coming.
2: I, uh, I, I'm my old reliable is, um, we need to go deal with this Aboleth. So let's go talk to, um... You know, stand in Mage's Association, or this wizard we know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that character will then give them a uh, a task, or be like, I'll give you this if you do this. You know, classic yeah. Zelda plotting. Um, I can make those potions, but I need to get the gills of a... Exactly. Or, I think the one that worked best for me was, Oh, you're going to go fight Nableth? Well, let me do some research. And see if you can get anything for me from them so that wow. this can be a worthwhile endeavor for me too. Yeah. Uh I like that. There's lots of ways you can set up collect a vial of mucus and I can use it to make you know magic potions <laughs> or something.
0: Um, I think another thing, my own abolith. Oh
2: no. I I Mecha the abolith
0: in the in my campaign, I even kind of tweaked its I tweaked a lot of its abilities. But I gave it the ability to gift um, things it came into contact with. The ability to breathe underwater as long as it chose to. So that's always an option. Depending on the Aboleth, like, if if it is using the party for its own goals and actively wants to keep them alive, at least for a little bit, I think it could be fun to let the Aboleth be allowing them access. Which actually is fun on two fronts, because, I mean, A, it, it kind of helps circumvent that issue in the first place. But B, they kind of need to start staying on its good side, because what if they're deep in its lair and they piss it off? And it's like, you know what? I'm revoking your breathing
1: privileges. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, you suddenly need to really start appeasing this creature.
2: Your trial of water breathing has ended. Would you care <laughs> <to purchase? laughs> Exactly.
0: That, oh, you know, I almost wish I had done that now, because that underlying threat of, hey, if we piss this thing off, we are going to drown. We... Need to at least stay on its good side until we leave. Oh, you know, that even gets weirder, considering the abolith is telepathic. I think it's difficult for a party to, like, plan against an abolith because I feel like it's going to pick up on, on plots against it pretty fast. There's a lot. A lot of fun elements, and, like, a lot of fun tension you can build with an abolith.
2: I... It it just has this perfect coalescence of a bunch of different powers that all make it very hard to negotiate with. And I think a lot of times hard to justify as like, you know, if this thing is older than the gods, is psychic, is deep underwater where it's basically safe from us um, landlubbers, then is it really feasible to beat it or getting back to that idea are we just playing into its plans
0: yeah
1: if it does show up in a location where like we we have a means to fight it why is it there What's what is it planning mm-hmm. it, it, it can't it can't be exposing itself for no reason
0: there's another interesting element to apple it's um the of manual talks about how if their body is destroyed it then starts reforming the plane of water over the next days or months
2: Oh, that's right, yeah. I um, <laughs> th- That's kind of a bog standard rule in my setting, so I kind of forget that one. Uh, if anything is destroyed on anywhere other than its native plane, they just reform. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Back on their old plane. Well, it's because it, that's like a, a neat idea that I think is generally res- resigned to uh, devils and demons. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what if I just make that... Take that a step further, elementals, uh, most creatures, and I even to a degree let uh, let it happen for player characters. But like part of the reforming process would be, you know, uh, time. They'd probably be born as an infant or whatever. But that's off topic.
0: No, it's it's on topic. It's interesting. I, I go back and forth on the uh, the aboleth reforming thing because, on the one hand, it does help you set up this reoccurring villain. That is very difficult to defeat because getting to the plane of water is not an easy feat in itself. Obviously, obviously. forgetting forgetting the fact that I it's a plane of water, that's not the easiest thing to traverse. Getting you know the ability to travel between the planes is not easy either. So if you finally defeat this aboleth and then it, I mean, ugh, would the party even know it's reforming? I'd probably find some way to hint at that. But if they do find out. It can be frustrating, I think, um, but on the other hand, if they fi- if they travel to its plane of water, finally, fully defeat it, that's going to be a bit more satisfying. Like, ah, oh, okay, we finally got him. We he's finally taken care of.
2: At that point, I might uh, really amp him up, though, is because like an Abalethin in the Monster Manual is only challenge rating ten, which mm-hmm. means if he's a challenge for your party, they're probably what like eighth, ninth level. Um, and I just feel like then getting to the plane of water, you know that's that's a modest like 10th to 15th level adventure. Yeah, um, plus,
0: I like the idea of it being stronger on its home turf.
2: Oh, yeah. and then you gotta give it uh amp it up somehow with maybe like some control water shenanigans. Maybe Ooh. it's telepathy is stronger <laughs> dominate person.
0: Yeah, I definitely I like the idea of kind of amping up its abilities in general. For one, like just thematically, it it makes sense for it to be stronger in its home plane. And also, like you just don't want you don't want the second half of this arc with this abel to be the same exact thing. Exactly. You don't want to just lead up to the same fight. It should there, stakes need to be higher. Things need to be and with eighteen elevated.
2: intelligence, it's probably learned how to fight the PCs. Mm-hmm. It's probably got some specific countermeasures for you.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Oh, that so your, uh, your wizard likes to cast lightning bolt a lot? Hmm, it's just a shame that I'm now immune <laughs> to lightning damage.
0: Uh, well, that's a fun element, I think, to combat with an avalith, because it has that enslave feature, yeah. which can potentially turn the party against themselves by charming one of them and fully taking control. The
2: best kind the of abolith- death spiral.
0: the aboleth is smart enough to know who the best target is so don't be afraid to use your dm knowledge to go like okay should here's my plan and maybe like the best thing i could do is grab the barbarian and have them start beating
2: the wizard's face in exactly because the
0: aboleth is 100% going to think of that too
2: the aboleth is going to 100% know barbarians got the uh most chance of falling under my enslavement so yeah Mm -hmm. grab him hell
1: maybe in the intervening time between uh the uh the the first fight and the second (laughs) fight the party like like uh, periodically like maybe they somebody gets a lucky perception check and catches sight of some icky transparent skinned slimy humanoid from the natively from the plane of water just watching them (laughs) menacingly as as <laughs> is, is this Aboleth, is after being beaten once, he's like, "All right, these guys are a threat. Let's get as much information on them as I can before the next encounter."
0: I love that. I love. I love the idea of a bad, or an enemy, or a bad guy who is actively playing against the party. Now it's personal. Now the now their only plan is to rip the party apart.
2: Perfect. And depending on what kind of group you got, you could even make uh make the classic story plot of, um ripping this party apart by letting them do all the work, you know, playing all of their insecurities off against each other or whatever.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, maybe it's its plan isn't so like straight up let's beat them to death. Maybe it's sending out thralls from far, far away to do a do a civil war against them. Yeah. Gonna do gonna do a Zemo.
2: Gonna do a Zemo, yeah. Uh, that sounds good <laughs> actually. Be,
0: that actually ooh that could be really fun. If I run an ableth again, I think I'm gonna focus more on this like master manipulator side to it. The uh the one I was running didn't really have a chance to do that. It had been ripped out of the plane of water against its own will, and its only plan was to get back home. But I like the idea of one with maybe more sinister plans that wants to dismantle the party through non combat means.
1: Or maybe dismantle whole kingdoms.
2: Yeah oh man if you run a political game and you have an aboleth uh player on the board who's just like uh not a player character but uh yeah if you have an aboleth in that political game who's the the big bad evil guy manipulating all of the different political figures into destroying the kingdom that's a that's that's a grand scheme
0: that's hilarious i mean That could be, like, a fun reveal for a character that you keep, like, hinting at for the party, like this some dude pulling strings in a kingdom far away, and we assume they're human, but eventually revealing that that's an aboleth, that can be really fun.
2: You think you'd give the aboleth the ability to shapeshift at that point?
0: I don't think so. I think I would probably have him have a lot of, like, proxies yeah, who are technically just thralls it's working through, and, hmm, that guy just has a big old lake near his castle, or... A big underground cavern. I don't know no. some something that is the the, the aboleth is using to stay nearby. His
2: bat cave is actually his aboleth cave.
1: <laughs> I actually love the idea of uh, uh, sort of like all like a like big line of proxies. So like maybe like the the guy that's next to the castle is very clearly a thrall. But as you sort of go down the lair, like they're sort of less and less actually enthralled until you get to like the ambassador of the kingdom it's trying to overthrow, which is just a dude. Who's following mm-hmm. orders, uh, which gives you some power to sort of, you know, one, reveal to him what the fuck's going on. And two, gives the pa- Aboleth some uh, plausible deniability. Because, um, you know, if, if its thralls are sort of getting gross and weird, uh, you know, you'd want your closest points of contact to be not that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And then you quite, just get this cool web.
0: I quite like the idea of a literal puppet king that's under under the control of a thrall. <laughs> Very so like it, early on with... in the
1: campaign, it's like uh, the King uh, Bingo Bongo of, of the, the nation of, uh, uh, I swear that's
0: not the first time you've used the name Bingo Bongo as I've been as running
1: into this dwarf in world of Warcraft named Bingo Bongo, like every time <laughs> I go to Stormwind. Uh, so that might be it, but it's, you know, King, the, the king of this faraway nation is the, the original villain As you, as you delve deeper into the mystery, it's like, Oh my God he's not in charge
2: <laughs> what do you mean bingo bongo's not in charge
1: hey man he was born with he was born a king he could have been in charge
0: there was a another element to my abolith that i tweaked considerably from what's in the monster manual <clears throat> because i really i like the idea of hyping up its all the thralls around it the way i started thinking about an abolith was that it's Like the makeup of its body and mind and general physiology is so different to our own that it uses thralls as its way of interacting with the world in the first place. So I ended up stressing to the party that the abolith wasn't inherently evil. It's just like how it taking thralls is how it needs to survive. So (coughs) excuse me. When the party was trying to communicate with it and basically telling it that what it was doing was wrong, that it needed to release these people, uh, it said something to the effect of, if you found yourself stranded in a foreign land with no eyes, arms, or legs, would you not seek new ones? And I, I just, I like the, that idea of, a, like, it's, it's not doing it out of malice, you know, it's not acquiring thralls out of malice, but it's physically fairly weak and can't survive on its own. So what else is it gonna like? It, that's just how it's evolved to exist in in the first place. It, is it needs these things by, tending to it?
2: It's limited by our world's norms, and so it needs to adapt to that. I uh, I, I will say that I <clears throat> I don't like the idea that it's physically weak because I remember. Uh, I have my three five monster manual right here, and its strength score is twenty seven. Thank you very much. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in 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 not fifth yet. edition, yeah. its strength is twenty one. Yeah. So I'm I definitely am departing uh, departing from the norm here. Yeah. Um, and it's I would understand if someone's not into that. I just I can't help every time I like see a monster. I like how can I tweak this? How can I? I pretty much use everything as a, a jumping off point. Yeah.
2: How is it yours? Well,
1: it's also it's also notable that it's not exactly far off to say it's it's physically weak i mean its primary strengths are its psychic powers if you if, if it uh uh decided to um forego the use of its psychic powers it would have a whole one two abilities yeah. that, that it could use to to defend itself or do things it, it, it's tentacle in its tail every but just about everything else on its stat block um, it has something to do with mentally ma- manipulating its foes. Mucus Cloud is a is a maybe I don't I don't know if I could call that psychic, but that's. that's... Uh,
2: in, in my three five manual that uh, mucus cloud is listed as an extraordinary ability, which would mean that it's part of its physiology, not its uh, psychic powers or whatever. So three whole abilities. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair,
0: like the strength is is actually its highest stat in, in fifth edition. Its intelligence is eighteen, charisma is eighteen, but yeah, the strength twenty-one. Wild. So weirdly enough, that's like its dominant trait. <laughs>
2: but I no, but now that you're uh, pointing out, that's super weird that it, that is its strongest ability.
1: It's a it is a odd. big friggin' fish. It is <laughs> big a fish.
2: big fish.
0: Um, but that was just a flavor like I I started leaning into. the idea that it actually needs these things to operate because I I always try to if I can build up the villains of certain arcs to be sympathetic or at least let the party understand why they're doing what they're doing. And if this creature is just doing this to survive because it's how it's evolved to interact with the world, it's still probably, you know, it's still something you need to take care of because you're not going to find that out and go, Oh, okay, you can have my whole village. That's fine. But it, it does add more layers of complexity to why this creature is operating the way it is. And don't get me wrong. It's, it's, very interesting to have a master manipulator who's plotting to bring down a kingdom um but i think this is fun too
1: yeah it sort of it also gives the players um uh, you know alternate means of solving the puzzle like uh wait so you're telling me if we find a way to send you home you'll leave us alone mm-hmm. yeah oh let's do that then and that was uh,
0: exactly what the party did they said okay if we help you go home you'll let them go it's like yeah okay i guess Hmm. (laughs) i i would i think i maybe phrased it a bit better in the game but yes they the party elected to just help it because it seemed like the the route
2: of least i don't know deaths the way of least resistance if nothing else
1: yeah They, they, they did let it take one thing home with it didn't they though
0: they they did this was delightful so like this whole adventur kicked off in the first place because they found this boggle which is a little almost goblin type creature yeah um, who was under its control and it kept talking about the uh, the, the party was traveling through a mountain um, and they saw this they were walking over a frozen lake and there's this huge shadow darted underneath them in the ice they're like oh what the fuck is that and the, the little boggle's like oh that's god you're like, oh, okay, we should get out of here. Um, that's, but, God. <laughs> that's God. That's <laughs> God. Um, he was very much under the Abolith's control and had been for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up getting really attached to this this boggle who called Drix, and the, they adopted him as parties tend to do with little gremlins. And the further they got away from the mountain, the more distressed Drix got, and eventually was in like physical agony because the abolith was trying to call him back. Anyway, they eventually like they break him out of the the control of the aboleth, mm-hmm. and when they go back to try to f- free the village, they come up t- they come to the agreement of okay we'll help you go home we'll get the resources to help you finish this portal so you can go home, and once they came back with that the aboleth basically said like I'm changing the deal I'll let you take, I- I originally had been release the women and children, and then we'll let you go home. And the Ableth was like, I will release everyone if you give me Drix back because he's been very entertaining and I want him back. And the party agreed to it. They're like, fuck, we can't we can't put like half a village against one person. Like we have to think of the greater good. And it was very heart wrenching. And pe- like they were pretty upset for a hot minute. Uh, but they agreed to give Drix back to the abolith and then just let him go back to the plain of water with him.
2: It was very party memorable. gave up their little mascot.
0: Yeah, they were pretty upset about it in and out of game. <laughs> uh that was a very memorable conclusion to an arc because I was geared up and ready to go for combat, but they elected to to take its deal. Actually, I didn't like super expect them to because when you're given that I feel like usually in D&D when you present your party with option A and option B, they go fuck you, we're going to figure out what option F is and do that.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, but it was very, I, very memorable. I do find that if they cannot think of a option F, apparently, they tend to go for um, whatever has less combat. I think, whatever's. Oh really? Le- or not even combat. Whatever's uh, the party's risk adverse. They don't want to have their characters die, so they're gonna play mm. the. They're gonna play the option that's gonna result in less chance of them dying. I think generally. Cowards cowards I guess, it,
0: I guess it depends on your party um my party usually goes for i don't know i don't know how i don't know how i'd describe it usually they, they choose violence if it means helping people they will almost always go for they don't really seem to care about self-preservation so much uh if it means helping people or saving people they will very willingly put their own lives on the on the line i there wasn't another element of like when the party was trying to get their way out of this deal the abolith started releasing thralls who started immediately drowning so there was that that other threat of we can't like if we kill this abolith is everyone just going to drown right away like they were given a shit deal to be sure
2: those are the best deals for uh, a dm to give their party though yeah
0: <laughs> i'm still waiting like they they've been putting together some ideas for how to go rescue drix though i think they're looking for a way to get to the plane of water <laughs> because so there very well could be a follow-up to the story in a couple months because i think it's very likely the party is going to pursue that aboleth and try to get their their party mascot
2: absolutely beautiful i wish them the best of luck i hope they find drix and something horrible (laughs) has happened to him
0: uh there's been a couple jokes about drix becoming the bbg
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not opposed to that because that would be (laughs) hilarious He's absorbed Aboleth powers from being in contact with it for so oh long. Oh my
0: god. He's got a
2: mucus cloud and a psionic attack now. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down.
1: <laughs> Want to talk about its stat block?
0: Yeah. I was thinking like, yeah, combat as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, That's we awesome. were getting into combat a little bit. So what, what, what tools does the Aboleth have to defend itself when the party does inevitably decide on the uh, um, option F, which F, of course, stands for fight?
2: Obviously um it's got some tentacles it's got some tentacles they do do smack you um
0: yeah we talked about it a little bit with that tentacle attack it has a built-in con save to it if they fail that they're diseased for a minute uh so in in that minute window it can be that disease can be removed by any magic that cures disease but then after that minute is when they become slimy kind of gross they can't regain hit points unless they're underwater and this disease can't be moved unless it's by a heal or another disease curing spell that's sixth level or higher which is pretty rough
2: that's that's some important stuff let's see sixth level spells you get most generally at about uh what's that like 11th level
0: 11th 12th something like that
2: so if it's a cr10 creature um then and you put it up against a you know a 10th level party they don't have spells that can undo that
0: yeah it is worth noting that once that second level of that disease kicks in if they're outside of water they take a d12 of damage every 10 minutes unless moisture is applied to the skin so like you could have them or they could choose to start lugging around a bunch of water and they could start moisturizing themselves which could moisturize help. me, Thank you. but every ten every ten minutes is rough. Like you can't really take a you can't take a long rest unless you're taking turns. Either way, it's a rough thing to have to deal with.
1: I I, I think this this ability is actually more dangerous out of combat. I'm, I I sort of just imagine sure. like a scene in my head of of like maybe the aboleth is actually physically doing shit and like maybe like uh in in my city that I, I had you guys face against aboleths again. It was sort of like a like a um. Uh, a maritime—it was like a Venice-type city. All the roads were were water, and I—I I now imagining like maybe the parties uh, talking next to a canal or walking along an obelisk maybe like swims by and just uh, lifts a tentacle up while they're all not paying attention and just brushes the back of somebody's neck before swimming off, uh, and like maybe nobody nobody notices it, and then just a minute later, boom, you're fucked for until you can find a high-level cleric.
2: What an asshole. You take six D twelve damage just for trying to take a short rest after that.
1: And it's and it's just uh and it, it's maybe been doing that throughout the town and it's sort of getting people in the water, which it's in there, it's they're in its domain now.
0: That could be interesting. If it's not it's a so story. much a, a, a mental manipulation, but a physical dependence on its lair.
1: Like, exactly. Uh and, and, and it'll definitely like some good mental manipulation going into that. But I think sort of giving them that dependence first, or at yeah. least some people that dependence is going to, are going to um, make one. It's going to be eerie to see like, why is everybody's just in the water? This is already in sort of this weird stuff going on to add to that mystery. And then also uh, you if you've got a player that has to be in the water all the time, then that, then you've got a problem.
0: That could be something interesting to lean into. Like, these people who are being affected, because it is physically changing them too, I imagine they're not going to look very appealing with translucent, slimy skin. So what if the Aboleth is intentionally changing people to make them so miserable or so alien-looking that they're sort of forced to withdraw from society, which helps it build up this this kind of refugee camp of all these creatures it's affected. And then they're even more susceptible to full-on... Uh, manipulation
2: Helic
1: present itself to them as its as their savior this yeah. is
2: making me think of several horror movies that I've seen now <laughs> uh. like I,
0: I it's definitely fun to have it straight up just <laughs> psychically dominate something but it's like I I like this kind of leans more into that master manipulator vibe of it making them dependent by their own free will without necessarily using any psychic abilities
2: ooh, ooh. You could even uh, take it a step further, and as it has enough people, and it is their savior, then it can take the place of the gods that it spites.
1: <laughs>
2: Steals worship? That'd be fun.
0: That, you know, that was very much a, a flavor I tapped into. That village it stole, um, they were goliaths, and the the goliath and the party is very, very religious. Always talking about his gods and his beliefs, and the, part, and the village in general had a very, like... At a strict religion they stuck to. So when they all were replacing that faith with worship of an aboleth, it really got on the nerves of the goliath.
2: Perfect.
1: I think it should also be noted that um, with the, the, this, you know, a, long, a minute before this becomes a threat, it seems like a long time in combat. But this, it should be noted, this aboleth gets to do this three times around.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you think- so if three people are failing their checks around. Uh, and you've got a cleric who's only got so many cure disease on, on, on PrEP, um, this is a problem you need to deal with quickly.
2: Yeah. Do you think you might... Uh, okay, so it can do three tentacle attacks a round. Um, do you think that if it goes through the whole party, and everybody is afflicted now, um, do you think a subsequent attack might like accelerate the process, or uh, reverse it, or...
1: Not raw, but I do like the idea of accelerating it, like it it, it takes a round off the the counter. Yeah, exactly. This
2: is not uh, how it is presented in the stat block, but just a a thought, because let's say worst case scenario, you have a, a party of six players, takes two rounds, and it has afflicted everybody with its disease. Now it's tentacle attacks, only do a plus nine to hit for 2d6 plus five bludgeoning damage. Not...
1: Three times, though.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I'm just just th- mulling the idea around.
0: No, I could like esp- like I'm fine with that. Especially if the Abolish part of its plan is to physically change the party to be maybe more dependent on it.
1: Mm-hmm. It does. It does definitely makes that ability nastier. But I I don't know if I would do it solely because I don't think that generally that that ability is going to be very useful to it in combat. Uh, it presumably they're fi- already fighting it underwater. They've found a way to deal with it underwater. So uh, all of that, all that ability is going to potentially be as a nasty surprise when they surface after their glorious victory.
0: And you get that anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could take it or leave it. It's fun, though. That's fair. Um,
1: it also has a tail attack.
0: That, that yeah, attack it, exists. It hits you. Neat. It kind of <laughs>
1: sucks because it could either do that for 3d6 plus 5 bludgeoning damage, or it could do the tentacle thing three times. Which is a whole D6 less damage plus a disease.
0: Yeah, I think I'd rather just do the, the tentacle attack for the most part. And uh, they both have 10 foot reach, never mind. And then we've talked about enslave a little bit already, but it forces a, a DC 14 wisdom save. And then fully takes control of a creature that fails. Um, the creature does get to repeat that save if it takes damage. Which is manageable right so you can start doing light damage to the to the afflicted party member but that's still in fighting you're wasting your own turn trying to free your friend it might not even work um as soon as you start turning the party against each other that
2: can really be rough yeah that's um that's a death spiral mechanic because uh uh if you suddenly they're the monster that is you know presumably not easy to beat uh, suddenly takes away a party member and gains an ally. That's yeah. That is a huge swing, especially with the action economy.
0: And especially like we talked about, the is smart enough to know which one to grab, so it might grab the wizard and self-cast Fireball. <laughs> Ugh,
2: terrifying.
1: Um, it's also important to note that the, the creatures charmed—it's the the condition that is inflicted upon enslaved targets. The creatures that are charmed by the Ableth, um, cannot take reactions. And can mm-hmm. com- the commute the avaleth and the charmed target can communicate with one another over any distance. That's rough. Um I would I would interpret that as between planes as well, because it doesn't specify the planes.
2: Where it does specify that in other parts of the stat yeah. block even. Correct. And what's fun about that in Oh wait,
1: never you. mind. Uh, or it it, 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 it actually team. does specify that in the exact same ability. Uh, it, it's under the Abraith's control until it dies or is on a different plane of existence. So never mind.
0: And what's fun about that is you can definitely use Enslave outside of combat. I don't see any reason why it would be obvious it has charmed something. So, Sleeper Agent in the party, permanently under the control of the <laughs> Not permanently, but like, unless it's taking damage... And it's still in the same plane of existence. You can just send one of your players a message: "Hey, you are under the control of the Ableth, Act like normal until I tell you otherwise." Th- Ooh, I love
2: that shit. <laughs> that is, that is part of the, uh, uh the uh, adventure that I was thinking about from earlier, even. And that's. Uh, oh really? Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I've done it once, and it is a blast. Uh, my player, I think you know, it depends on the player, obviously, but the player that yeah. I did that on. Absolutely was ecstatic about the prospect of just being, you know, mind whammyed <laughs> by a monster.
0: And uh... yeah, I would love doing that. I would love that happening to me, too, because drama.
1: I, I did that something similar a while ago. It wasn't mind control. It was actively replaced by a shape shifting hag. But I told the players like, all right, act like yourself. But this is the character you're playing's goal now. <laughs> uh, and I, I loved when the, the, the goal was to um, basically find and uh, touch the Fae Lord to steal his power the party was trying to go help and yeah. the party's like hey, we don't know th- they, they got to the portal to his realm it's like hey, we don't know what's on the other side we're gonna take a short rest here um then we'll move in and the the shapeshift player's like but i want to go in now we should go in now let's go in now and they're like no no no. no. let's take a rest and he's like all right cool and use the green hags invisibility feature and just bamped right on in without him that
2: uh, is hilarious
1: loved it anyway I th- the uh, uh, last
0: last little thing the Aboleth can do is lair actions. So, initiative count 20, it gets to either cast Phantasmal Force, which is a pretty useful spell. It basically makes a very, very, very compelling illusion.
2: Um, that can do damage, potentially, right? It can, yep. yes.
0: Um, you can make it act like it's, it's damaging you somehow. So, you can summon allies to the Aboleth. I mean, that's really up to the DM's creative process there's a lot you can do with convincing illusions it also can make a water surge Um, affected targets have to make a strength saving throw or they're pulled and knocked prone that's delicious considering they the ableth would then get advantage on hitting them Um, and then it can also use
1: that same water just just damage them
0: yep with a 90 feet of it wisdom saving throw or take 2d6 psychic damage so the abolith can very much stand on its own, even without um, thralls against a, uh, you know, a decently leveled party. But with legendary actions, lair actions, and charming, it can quite quickly turn the party against itself and stand on its own two...
2: Well, its own know, three tentacles. Yep. <laughs> and one
1: tail, which will only be used for legendary actions. It's
2: true. It is isn't worth noting, I think, that the lair actions... the uh, So the first one if something uh, breaks free of the first phantasmal force, that they're immune for 24 hours. And then the other Mm -hmm. two both say that you can only use this uh, once, and then you have to use a different one before you can use this again. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. I'm not sure why it's there. I guess to stop a DM from keeping somebody prone forever, which would be kind of annoying, but... It also makes the
1: fight more interesting, where, where different things are happening at the top of every round.
2: I was going to say the exact same thing. So it's not just phantasmal
0: force, phantasmal force, pool of water, pool of water. Like, every turn, every round, rather, would feel like he's pulling out some other tool from his bag of tricks. And it's just, oh my god, this Ableth can do so many things. It, it just makes the every round feel a bit more dynamic if there's some huge new thing happening every time. Fair enough.
2: Did we it's also... probably The
0: reasoning's probably a mixture between mechanical balancing and keeping the fight
2: interesting. Makes enough sense. Did we, uh, talk about the, uh, Mucus Cloud or the Probing Telepathy?
1: I brought up Probing Telepathy briefly, but we didn't really go into depth about Mucus Cloud.
2: So, while underwater, the Aboleth is surrounded by Transformative Mucus, a creature that touches the Aboleth or that hits it with a melee attack within 5 feet of it, makes a DC14 con save, and on a failure, the creature is diseased for a D4 hours, and the diseased creature can breathe only underwater.
1: So that's the second wombo combo to getting uh, creatures to uh, to live down down in the depths with the aboleth.
0: It's not quite as bad because it's only maximum of four hours, but it's still annoying. But and maybe then they're t-
2: trapped under. <laughs> they're trapped down here with it for enough time for it to get a tentacle attack off on them.
0: Exactly. I guess I'm picturing like if you do defeat the aboleth, then you're just kind of kick, kicking around for another couple of hours. Do you? But uh... It's annoying regardless.
1: Do you rule that, uh, would you rule that the Aboleth hitting you with one of its attacks would trigger this effect? It is touching
0: you. Well, the Mucus Cloud says a creature that touches the Aboleth or hits it with a melee attack. I mean, I guess physical contact? I don't know. The way it's it's written, it's... I think raw, it it
1: would not do it because it's a a separate feature, but... if If you want to get mean with it.
2: I feel like the Aboleth is mean enough as it is. (laughs) <laughs> See, I, I was just thinking, I don't think the Aboleths are mean enough, because CR-10 is not what I picture as a ancient enemy of the gods. You know, that's I mean, fair. the gods
1: won for a reason.
2: Just, you know, <laughs> excellent point.
0: But it, it definitely does hype up their connection, and they don't, as written, really feel like a true rival to a god, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's got to be something going on when they uh, get together. I might give them rules like a hag coven. Aboleths Mm -hmm. together can do some special extra thing, but that's just uh, something that I'm just now coming up with, so I haven't thought about that at all.
1: Do you think the gods are also mind-controlling us?
2: Oh my god. Oh my god! (laughs) Closing thoughts on Aboleths is, uh, sure, they're the first monster in the Monster Manual, but by no means does that make them uh, a weak first entry. They are uh, the coolest thing that you could ever fight underwater. (laughs) Prove me wrong, change my mind, whatever meme you want. Uh, I love my three-eyed fishmen.
0: I like Aboleths a lot, too. I think there's so much you can do to make them a threat outside of how physically challenging they are, which I think they are. They're annoying to fight in combat, but th- you can build up a lot to their resources that aren't just their physical strength to make them a threat to the party.
1: Aboleths? Uh, certainly big fish, not, the, not, not big dumb fish after all.
2: Wow. We've had a Nathan's... full arc this episode. I was going to say Nathan's <laughs> character
0: arc really went places in this episode.
1: <laughs> I feel like a changed person.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Wonderful. Alright. Thanks for well, having thanks me for on. For... Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're glad to have you. Welcome back anytime. If there's if there's a topic that piques your interest, Uh, what are we talking about next week, Charles? Wow, I'm glad you asked, Nathan. Next week we are wrapping up our kind of classic uh, races in D and D. We're going to talk about halflings, not hobbits, Nathan.
1: What? Hold on, hey,
2: legal distinction.
1: I (laughs) Amazon's going to come knocking at your door any second now.
2: I'm sorry, please, I didn't mean it.
0: Different. Yeah, we're going to talk about halflings. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.